Warning, what you are about to hear are the thoughts of four ordinary dudes with no agenda and absolutely no filter. Please, do not attempt any of this at home, and try not to get butt hurt. Welcome to the Dude to Dude Podcast. Hey dudes, it's Jimmy. Hey guys, it's Matt. What's up, it's John. Hey dudes, it's Billy. Hi guys, I'm Ben. Ben is going to be our new fact checker. Uh, he's uh, trying out for the position, and currently he's checking some facts already. Uh, so, um, who wants to start us off? Well, why don't I go, you know, since I'm the only one genius here that decided to leave their notes on their toolbox at work. Yeah. So, <clears throat> today we're talking about um, lost technologies and things like we've forgotten like over time and things that maybe don't necessarily line up. But, so, Billy, um, Roman concrete, what do you think about that? Do you think it's something we could still do to this day? Or? No, I, it's definitely not something that we can reproduce. Um, why not? Well, we don't know. That's why it's unexplained. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've, we've figured out the majority of it, and we can make something very similar. Uh, Jimmy's actually the one who explained that to me, so... I'll let him take over, uh, but I will say, um, you know, first that to this day, Roman concrete, even in salt water, still stands stronger than any concrete that we can produce. Um, you want to go ahead and, and fill us in on what Roman concrete actually is, Jim? Um, yeah, so, well, at least our closest theory so far, because we still don't have the fucking mix right. Um... So apparently Roman concrete is a particular mix of volcanic ash and other composite materials and salt water, specifically mixed with salt water. So that way when it enters the salt water, it still basically still sets up and like gains strength over time with the contact to the salt water. Yeah, so a big part of that is the way that the, the molecules form. And, like, our, our concrete today is very porous. Mm -hmm. Roman concrete, not so much. Uh, it's very, like, it's sealed right. compared to what we use. Um, and that's, you know, as Jimmy said, it, it actually gets stronger with time, a lot of it. See, um, I didn't realize that, that over time, like, it actually, like, gets stronger. I just thought that, like, over time it didn't deteriorate to the same degree as, like, what we currently have. So anything that's actually, like, sunk in salt water is actually in better shape than anything that was exposed. Yeah. Which should be opposite. Like, if it was our concrete, anything touching water would start eroding way quicker. And yeah, almost way quicker. We get a couple hundred years out of our current concrete. They're getting a couple thousand. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, Billy, but we drove still going and running. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that's in water anyways, or near water. What'd you say, Maddie? I said, I don't know. We live in the same state, and we drive on the same roads. I don't know if it's last not a hundred years. That's not concrete. That's asphalt. That's asphalt. Yeah, and that... That doesn't last worth nothing up in New York. Because Go to Detroit, bro. Well, it's all about the, the freezing and contracting and cracking and water getting into places. I mean, the, it, other than the fact that we could probably use a little bit more funding towards our roads, our roads are really kind of the best that we can have them be at the moment. Um, Got to get Jimmy on that Roman concrete. Come on. Detroit's roads are all concrete, and they are fucked up. Yeah, if, if you go down... Uh, down south, a lot of their roads are made out of, um, like, seashell asphalt, so mm -hmm. it's very white. Um, 
it, I didn't understand it at first. It's because they're a that it's cheaper, and b it, it has to be made different because it has to it withstand the heat. It doesn't have to withstand the freezing like it does up here. Um, but the, it's getting way off subject. Uh, so Roman concrete. I mean, we know that we have Roman structures, Greek structures even that still stand today. Um, domes. Yeah. Domes I mean, that they did with like no explanation of how the fuck they made a dome out of concrete. Uh, well, it's not all concrete. It's like masonry, so it's a mixture of brick and concrete. But even oh. their brick is stronger than ours. Didn't realize there were brick in there, too. They used a lot of marble and whatnot, too. Marble and, like, granite and a lot of those stones. Like, if you crush them down into the silica dust form of it, which is just basically the equivalent of... Um, sawdust and you add waters to it you can almost get like a harder base material so I think I'm curious where if like that's how they kind of got their mixture right with like using different marbles and different granites and things like that you know and yeah yeah it very well could be I, I honestly my line. I, I think as far as the brick making process we know how that works yeah uh, it, they didn't use bricks quite like we do. Uh, it was, if I remember correctly, it was mostly for like flooring. Mm. Um, but I, I guess I actually termed it wrong. I shouldn't have said bricks. I should have said stone. Talking about the domes because I think they are made out of like marble or granite. Um, but it really is. It's wild that they stand to, to this day. Uh, just weathering alone should take care of that. Let alone all the destruction that they've been through. Depends too. Uh, that's the beauty of natural stones, you know. Just from the aspect of being in the industry where I used to work with it, um, natural stones being unmanmade handle tremendously better in environments than things like manufactured quartz. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean that's that's bound to be. I mean if you manufacture anything, it's basically compressed and then yeah. glued together so you, you gotta expect and not it's dependable i mean without manufacturing processes we wouldn't have graphene sheets and carbon fiber so that's true carbon fiber is is a whole thing in in and of itself uh i would love to learn the chemical makeup of the uh roman concrete though the just thinking about like um like jimmy mentioned you know them using volcanic ash use things like um the salt water and stuff like that i mean smash down bits of marble granite and then volcanic ash and compress it with heat. I mean, yeah. look what happens to sand alone when you compress it with heat. I mean, you get glass. So you that's a whole different thing on a molecular level, though. That's that's a whole different thing. I mean, that's extreme heat. The um, Pantheon. Sorry, I had to look that up. It's um, It's actually all concrete. Oh, it is all concrete. There is no supporting structural steel or any stone of what any kind. It's just oh. all concrete. Cool. Thank Damn. you. I didn't know Oh, that. that's wild. Um, hey, next time have our fact checker do it. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, guys. <laughs> He's just over here. Um, okay, but as uh, me and Matt were actually talking about glass, uh, that's the, kind of the next thing I wanted to d touch on. Uh, have you guys heard of Vitrum Flexial? No. I have not, personally. No? 
Okay. I, I have an interesting glass thing, too. But go so, ahead. So I, I think I know the one you're talking about, and I want to talk about that one, too. But Vitrum Flex Seal uh, was something that was invented by a Roman glass blower, And it was known to be an unbreakable, unbreakable glass. Uh, you could uh, bend it. You could flex it. And it would go back to its original shape. Flexible glass. Yeah. Sounds like plexiglass to me. Well, so it, it really does. It sounds like either a plexiglass or a plastic of some, some sort. Some sort of plastic, yeah. But we'll never know because there. Uh, I didn't actually write down the name, and I should have. Um, but the guy who made it was beheaded by uh, the Roman emperor of the time because he was worried that it was going to devalue gold and silver. Hey, fact checker. I'm looking it up now. Good man. Thank you. Uh yeah, so it should be, maybe it was Caligula? I don't, I'm not really sure. But Ben's going to find that out. Um, but yeah, like I said, I it, or like Jimmy even said, it sounds like some sort of plastic or some sort of plexiglass. And to me, that's, that's kind of wild. And at the time, you could understand why someone would be afraid of it devaluing gold and silver, you know what I mean? The applications for it would be almost limitless. Oh, it really would. I mean, well, look at plastic today. It's, yeah. it's a very close version to a flexible glass, let's call it. Um, and we use it in everything. Which is bad. Yeah. I mean, what, we actually eat enough plastic in a week to equal five grams, which is about the, the same weight as a credit card. Great. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I ate uh, a credit what? card's worth of plastic every week. How That's great. How are we eating that? It's got plastic in it. How am I getting Everything. all that plastic? Microplastics. Oh, oh lovely. Yeah. Well, okay, so anyways, so then if we're going on microplastics and we're already eating that fucking many of them, that's a way to fix our roads, recycled plastic. It holds up a lot longer. It's flexible. It heats up. It expands, contracts to the temperature. Agreed, but financially, and again, I said if we, if we got more funding towards it, I, I do think plastic roads are phenomenal. Um, they've even made some, like, solar-powered recycled plastic roads. Those uh, are cool. Was that over in Sweden, maybe? Google yeah, that, somewhere. Google that video, everybody. It is that solar-freaking-roadways, I think is what they're called, and it is the best ad for a fucking roadway you have ever seen. Really? <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, have to, we'll have to look that up. Ben, what do you, uh, what do you got uh, over there for us? Give me two seconds. Two seconds? I can pull it up to the computer. Well, one, one Mississippi. Oh. <laughs> two Mississippi. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, so... I have the original story that it came from. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. I was about to say control plus in for us. Yes, you. Plus. You <laughs> Gotta love laptops. You might have uh, to hit a function key in there, too, because of the laptop. Yeah, you don't. I'm, I'm not functioning as it is, yeah. so I <laughs> Don't make them over. All right. All right. Uh, okay, so Tiberius. Okay, so, let's see. Tiberius? My man. What did we find out, Ben? It was Emperor Tiberius, and nobody could, uh, nobody knows the guy's name, right? Correct. Okay. So, as far as the the Vitrum Flexial, what did you say? Contrary to popular belief that... Uh, we are actually using it today. There, there's a similar version which is incorporated into fiber optic lines that we use for houses and stuff. Oh, okay. So, my question is, how do we know what it was to begin with? 
That's a great question. I'll fact check that. <laughs> um, all right, John. So what was your your glass? Uh, the uh, One of the things I was able to find was the, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, so forgive me if I butcher it, but I think it's Lysurgus cup. The Lysurgus cup? Yeah, that's, Lysurgus, yeah. That's how I would pronounce it, but I'm probably that makes sense. That too. That makes sense. It probably is. Um, basically, it's a glass, or more like a goblet, but the glass in the goblet is infused, if you will, with gold and silver at such a microscopic level or not a microscopic level but like it's it's measured in nanometers yeah it, it's, it's so fine it, so yeah you're dead on it's so it's, microscopic that it's nanotechnology basically right so that's what well, that's one of the things well yeah that's one of the things is people are saying well basically the romans discovered nanotechnology without actually naming it nanotechnology yeah so here's my thing on that cup the lysurgis cup is really cool so it's it's originally like a greenish brown color, if I remember correctly. It um, depends on what angle it is viewed well, at with the light. And that's what I was going to say, unless you shine the light on it in a different angle, and then it comes like a bright red, right? It, it's either very green, like um, kind of like this table, which is like a like a leafy sage green. Green screen green. Right. Not so bright, <laughs> but, okay. you know, like a muted sage. Okay. But, uh... That sounded so weird to say that. But anyway, when you hit it with a different angle of light and view it from a different angle or whatever, then yes, it looks red, which is the amazing part of this glass. Now, we today have something very similar to that. So it's like a mug that's made out of stained glass, kind of like we have in chapels. We have many different mm. things like that now. We have like pearlescent paint on cars. Yeah, that, but it's... Well, as far as glass but, goes, so... It's not quite a, a stained glass. Um, ben, can you just uh, pull up a picture of the Lysurgis cup so I we can, can see it? Yes. Uh, uh, to answer your question about flexible glass, so back in 2012, Corning uh, Glass Museum in New York came out with a version similar, and it is very pristine glass um, with very few like flaws at all. Uh, while it cannot be like collaborated that it was the same thing as ancient Roman flexible glass it, uh, through multiple different universities and stuff it has been assumed oh okay so that's pretty cool Corning came up with something similar to it then from um, Corning knows yeah. their shit for real they've been in the business for so long yeah for real I've always know. wanted to go and like you can how you can like make your own stuff I've it, always thought it'd be cool to take the kids oh Ben can show you how to make glass beads yes I can Cool. Yeah, he showed me how to do it. Um, I actually have a couple around somewhere that I made. Um, yeah, anyway. Map gas goggles. <laughs> the cup. So, so, for the smokers out there, you might know something uh, or have heard of something called color changing glass. That's what I was actually Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is made by rubbing silver and gold along the glass as you're heating it. Well, a couple of, there's that, or you can actually put the uh, the silver um, or gold in front of the flame, and it'll, it'll like blow that bluish onto it, and that color changes. See, I always had assumed that it was like actually incorporated into the glass at a molten stage. No, um, like Jimmy said, you can either while the glass is hot, you can put the gold and silver into it, or you can like put it in front of the flame, and it'll. Oh. Like 
blow a blueing on. Although it. they could have took gold and silver dust and put it in as it was in the Molten Sage too. Yep. Because I mean, it's all glass is is a re- reformation of the minerals at a, that molten stage. Yeah. Basically. I mean, they could have they could have molted glass and gold and silver at the same time. I mean, it it could be a bunch of it. What does that say? How the fuck do you spell it? Spell it. Oh. L Y C U R G U S. Okay, I do have it. Yeah, you can, you can just ask us, dude. You don't right. have to be all writing on notes and stuff. Secret Lysurgis. Who the hell knows how to spell Lysurgis? Especially when you said it different than I did and he said it different. It's a weird word. I would have I would have butchered it. Yeah. It would have been somewhat close. Google would have got me the rest of the way. And it popped up. All right, so this is whoa the Lysurgis cup. Um, it is. It's actually like visually striking. That thing's really wild to look at. Everybody, everybody knows what a pimp chalice is, right? It's a pimp chalice. That is the pimp chalice. Is what that is. Right. Hey guys, it's my birthday Friday. Can someone get me one? <laughs> yeah, um, Unfortunately, maybe. there is. <laughs> only I'll give you a mako, Matt. <laughs> we, could, I could probably find you a mako. It still won't be cheap. Well, and, and that kind of brings you into, like, you know, uh, glass itself is kind of amazing. You know, it's ancient. We still use it to this day. Not much has changed about it. Um, yeah, we're learning kind of new things to do with it and new art forms. But as far as the actual art of glass blowing, not much has changed. You heat sand and, you know, colors and... I'm not a glass blower. I'm sure stuff has changed, but it's amazing to me that we still use so much ancient technology and we don't think about it. I mean, the wheel. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Pretty much anything we take for granted in day-to-day life. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like, did you know the word egg is actually a Viking word? Really? Yeah. It's spelled a little different. No, I, as far as I'm aware, it was spelled E-G-G. Well, uh, not that the Vikings would have spelled in English phonetics, but yeah, the way that we pronounce it is the same way they would have pronounced it. Roughly translated, well, translated it, yeah, okay. Same word. That's cool. Yeah, pretty neat. But it just it gets you thinking about, you know, how stuff that we do today and, you know, use today it's been around for a really long time, and we haven't done much new with it. Thousands of years. Yeah. Until you get into, like, technology, and that's a whole different story. As soon as electricity's evolved and, and I mean, have you seen have you seen some of those hieroglyphics, though? Literally guys on fucking computers and shit, like... Yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh, I didn't write it down, but I do know... Uh, fact checker, maybe you can look this up for me. Uh, somewhere... There is a hieroglyph of a light bulb um, with like a filament and very similar to the way that we use it today. Can definitely do. Uh, while we're ta- on the topic of eggs and plastics, I actually have a technology I'd like to throw to the group while I look up your hieroglyph. Do it up. So it's called the starlight egg. And while it's not so much ancient, it is a lost technology. So a doctor, or sorry, not doctor, but a Maurice Ward created a specific plastic oh, that, yeah. and what he did was he coated an egg in it, a raw egg, and then proceeded to torch it, 
and put it up to like 1200 degrees and the egg survived and only received an internal temperature of like 35 degrees Celsius and was still raw. Um, but because he realized the potential of this and how dangerous it could be, he proceeded to actually withhold the recipe and he died holding on to it. Yeah, so I actually have it written down just as Starlight, not Starlight Egg, because I didn't, I didn't actually know he did that with an egg. I just knew it was a, a very heat-resistant plastic, and it was actually bomb and explosion-resistant as well. Um, so and like Nuclear said, bomb, just for the viewers to know, nuclear. Yeah, so the in- inventor, like you said, wouldn't release his, the invention and you know died without passing it on. No. Wow, that's disappointing. Think of all the fucking applications for well, some thermally resistant thin he, coated plastic. He planned, on, as far as I'm aware, he planned on releasing it to the public. It's like public knowledge. Well, I mean, if it's if it's nuclear bomb proof and shit too, like the, the like the the amount of microplastics we have now is a problem because we've been using soft plastics for fucking hundreds of years that deteriorate at a microscopic level like that. That shit sounds like it wouldn't deteriorate ever fun fact uh henry ford created a biodegradable plastic that would biodegrade over 10 years it was a soy-based plastic and then he buried it yep so just about whatever ford is made of (laughs) nowadays yeah it feels i i won't drive another ford there's actually companies coming out with biodegradable plastics more often now though i've seen it yeah and a lot of them are made from hemp like sweet, sweet hemp. Yeah, the, hemp is unreal. But go ahead, man. The plastic that we're talking about makes me think of two things now. One is for the trade guys, heat shrink. You think about it. Yeah, like when you put it around like a coupling or whatnot for a couple electrical lines, you blast it with heat, it shrinks. But that shit holds up together. Yeah, but... Similar kind of concept, but on a much... Much smaller scale, like this stuff is, uh, you know, NASA wanted it for spaceships. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, for reentry. Well, um, because as it gets heated, it also increases in durability. Oh, oh that's see, I didn't know that. So oh, yeah, pretty wild. Similar to how ceramics work, except they have a, a point where they just explode. Yeah, yeah, you very similar. Make an engine out of that. Well, weren't weren't we using ceramic tiles on? We uh, still the do. spaceships. Yeah. Okay, um, I thought so. Yeah, actually, they're no. like in a much more advanced. Right. I hate to break it to you guys, but shuttles that uh, withstand re-entry heat are still coated with asbestos. Oh, yeah. Not surprised. Yeah, I mean, asbestos has its uses. Like, it is extremely fireproof, so, like... It's just asbestos shouldn't be in every household and every school. Right, (laughs) absolutely. But but it definitely has its uses. It should only be on retired space shuttles (laughs) in a museum. Not um, retired. No, even like current. They ones. retired to space shuttle programs. They don't send shuttles up anymore. How do we resupply the ISS and shit? Falcon heavy rockets. Yep. Per Elon Musk. Yep. Well, That's there's still they, things that they've been still doing it that, for years. There's dude. still things that we bring back in on reentry that need to be heat resistant. Well, yeah, like that, and I'm sure Elon still Musk have is, fucking asbestos. is using some those sort recoverable of rockets. They're probably coated in asbestos. As much as you want to suck Elon's cock, <laughs> they're probably coated in asbestos. Uh, fact checker. <laughs> I could not find the Egyptian with the laptop because there's a bunch of them. So instead, I pulled up the Apache helicopter yeah, that the, they found as a hieroglyph. There definitely is one. Did you find the light All bulb? All the crafts. Look, the there's one? a UFO. The there light too. bulb? I got you. That's the one I was looking for. Um, Fucking tank. But yeah, there's a radar 
in the center of it. Oh, yeah. The, in that picture that Ben's showing us right there. Um, so you should be able to Air you, if you pull gotcha. up. Well, if you pull up another one down on your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the one that we're looking at there, Big Head, uh, <laughs> you do. You see a couple of different things. It small looks, room. Small room. So the one looks like a tank. The one looks like a helicopter. And the one almost looks like a... P38. Like a bomber. Jetsons car. Yeah. Really? That's like the a best Jetsons description. Um, you know, you got your UFO with a tail on it is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. When you get into stuff like this and the hieroglyphics, it... it my my brain goes all over the place. Time travel. Yeah, that's a big one, dude. That it really is, uh, especially with a couple of the other th- things that I found. Um, so Ben's gonna. There it is. Tell me that doesn't look like an Edison light bulb, like one of the original Edison light bulbs. Oh, absolutely. And there, there's multiples of them, and so we we know we that the bag. We know about the Baghdad battery. You guys have heard about that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the jars with the, yeah, the chemicals that are still energetic somehow after yeah. centuries. Yeah, but when you really break it down and figure out what it is, it's not that impressive. Uh, I mean, it is. Right. But it's, it's very not. simple. Right. So you take some sort of very acidy material, whether it be like a, a juice or a vinegar or something of that sort, and then you put, I believe it's copper uh down inside of it and it creates uh, an electrical current and then from there you can take your electrical current and hook it up to small things and maybe just maybe the egyptians figured out light bulbs and that's why there are no scorch marks on the inside of the pyramids explains a lot like where tesla holy fuck that just blew my mind oh you haven't thought about that no yeah man so imagine you got a cart and you got a bunch of these Baghdad batteries hooked up. And With you have little one, light bulbs. Or you got one big light bulb, and it lights up the room enough where you can go inside. Holy That's shit. That's fucking wild. Yeah. That, so as far as like thinking realistically about that kind of stuff, that's where that one gets me. Uh, I definitely see that as plausible. That's very plausible. Yeah, I mean, if so if they figured out the battery. The timelines add up and everything. Yeah, they for sure had batteries. Like, we know for a fact that they did. What were they using them for? That's the question. Could have been, you know, something as simple as, like, here, stick your tongue on this and you'll feel a shock. It could or have been... figuring out a simple light bulb. Yeah, or it could have been something like a light bulb. That's nuts. Well, there's there's a lot of theories that go with that one. Um, man, I, f- I forget where I was going after that, but the uh, that one's always been super super interesting to me. But if we're talking about uh, Egypt, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, you know, all the perfectly drilled holes. <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> Damn it, Ben, that's my line, fucker. <laughs> Catch, <Gotcha>, bitch. <laughs> I think I stole it from you last time. But, yeah, uh, so there's all over Egypt, there are these perfectly drilled holes. And, you know, for us in modern times, that's not really much to think about. But these are drilled holes in granite blocks. They are, uh, you know, today we would need uh, hydraulic drills and diamond drill bits, and we leave tool marks. And they left nuts. And all they had were stone, wood, and copper, copper saws. Yep. 
Uh, it wouldn't even have been well. They they would have had saws, but for a hole, they would have had to use some sort of drill bit of some sort. Oh yeah, some or a concentrated direct water. But no, these are because if water well, yeah. drops in the same spot for. But these holes are unnaturally smooth and perfectly circular. Well, like even at the I, entry point, as you look at the picture, I pull up. Yeah. So the, what Ben is showing us is what I'm talking about. I it, believe there's some uh, of even different shapes. There are, and they definitely look like you know, like a recessed drill bit or something like that. Or a laser. Um, I aliens. <laughs> I had to get it in I, there. I know. I know. <laughs> I find that one less plausible. Of let's course. Say. Well, I mean, if you say I we mean, need yeah. tool marks and there's no tool marks. A laser would explain no tool marks. A laser would explain no tool marks. I agree. So the setting up like a... So would a few thousand years in the desert surrounding everything off. <laughs> well, that too, but also like, like you said, they had things like gold and copper and things like that. Well, if you use precious hardened metals like that and um, make like a concentrated mock-up almost, like, you know, get the shape of a circle, all right? Get a constant source of water that would be just falling in the same spot every day, mm-hmm. all day long. And all that's doing is in a concentrated shape. Over time, you could do that, and as while you do that, as all that material gets uh, yeah, but you would soft need, underneath. You tap it. You would need runoff spots, and there's no spots of runoff. There's no spots of tapping out the tool marks. There's. I see where you're coming from and plausible, but you would need some really high pressure water They're to do it. Put in stones large enough that the position of these holes is impossible to have water drop on it. Well, no. I mean, you could always just take a bucket and constantly pour it on top of something and have it drip. These people had Explain nothing. Explain a horizontal else to do. hole. What do you mean they had nothing else to do? Uh, you think these people way, didn't have lives? Probably not. <laughs> But what if the stone itself is too large to reorient and they do it in its natural position? Every stone us, used in the fucking pyramid is too large That's to reorientate in its own positions. Just to throw out an idea, Aliens. but looking at some of these pictures, instead of drilling, what if they were coring? Well, yeah, it would, it would have been a core-type drill, but That's even then... The well, instead of, well, no, because core, you keep the inside intact and you would just pull it out. But it's still a drill. Is so a couple of things with that. A, where are the cores? We don't, we don't find them. Uh, B, that you still need a diamond drill bit to be able to drill through granite. C, what the fuck are the purpose of the holes? Well, the purpose of the holes is that you, to use them in building and construction, but a lot of times they're either stones that are cracked or got left behind or you know, just portable. Used. Well, all no. these stones are... They were, they were technically portable because they made the pyramids, which, I mean, to us doesn't really seem portable, but it was portable. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, they made it happen. A lot of skis, some water. They, they have found evidence of a very large, large ramp uh, with uh, a slight enough angle in one of the quarries for them to actually be able to physically push the blocks out. Like, by hand. Science. Yeah, but, <laughs> but for the pyramids, like, I, I looked at to the mathematics. To build ramps and th- th- take si- them down? Yeah, the size of the fucking ramps that they would have needed to build. Miles like, long. Yeah, and it's wild. 
Um, I mean the the pier or the uh, the ramp that I'm talking about was exceptionally big, but still much smaller than what would be needed for the pyramids. So, um, I don't know, Jimmy, what else you got for us? Because Matt left his notebook, and uh, John, you didn't research. I did research, but I have previous. Uh, previous engagements, you were out of town. That's right. Okay, I, I give you. I give you. Well, a break. no, I mean I have some previous knowledge on the subject. You have knowledge. A little bit. Holy shit! Like I've seen, I, don't, I mean, obviously it's the internet, He's but seen I've seen pictures of like microchips fossilized in stone. Dude, install your wisdom on me. What kind of knowledge? <laughs> yeah, it's called a Nokia. <laughs> I don't even know what I should be looking up right Microchip now. Microchip fossilized in stone. Uh, well, uh, okay, so Jimmy, I, I'm going to kind of cut you off here because I have one that kind of goes with this. Uh, so with the micro, the microchip covered in stone, have you guys heard of the, I believe it's the COSO artifact? The spark plug. Yeah. Um, so the COSO artifact is a 1920s spark plug found in iron oxide that was caked up enough to be half a million years old. I don't know how that one happened. This was just kind of like a side one I threw in here. Um, kind of brings me into that time travel essence again. I don't know, man. I mean, if it's in the right chemical environment, but, I mean, if they're I mean, if actually f- proving, dating that that is millions of years old, then, yeah, that's like, holy fuck, how? Okay, so <clears throat> you said it's a 1920 spark plug? Yeah, yep. a champion spark plug at that, yeah. I believe. Like an actual brand. Like a known fucking spark so plug. So my theory, we discovered time travel in the 1920s, apparently. <laughs> Sometime in the 20s. Go ahead. Man had a breakdown. Couldn't get back. Yeah, couldn't get back or something like that or lost to the eons of just time. That spark plug being in there fucked up something in his timeline type of thing, and then he went back to the day that whoever fucking discovered time travel discovered it, offed him, and solved the timeline issue. I mean, possible. Um, I it's the only theory I got. <laughs> I mean, it it's out there. Back to the future. It it's, it's logically leads, sound. Yeah, it definitely leads to the thought of time travel, but. Mathematically, if we're talking, I believe it's it's either particle theory or string theory. They talk about how you can mathematically at one point walk directly through a wall, right? You've heard of this, Jim? Uh, are you talking about the double slit experiment and mm-hmm. on a micro or not a microscopic, particle. but a, a, a particle level, atomic yeah. level? I, I actually I don't know exactly what I'm talking about here, but I'll, I'll break down what I do know about it. I know. I know that physically, mathematically, there is a minuscule percentage chance that if I slam my hand down on this table right now, my entire arm goes through the table. Because all of the molecules line up in such a way that allow them to pass exactly. through each other. Um, we just got the table, bro. Don't break it. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. We uh, we're, we're got the new table. We're trying the, uh, the new studio out. Uh, let us know what you guys think about audio, if you guys are hearing any weird back noise or anything like that. We I'm sure tons. I can hear my chair going. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, these mics don't really pick up some stuff, so we'll see. Um, 
But yeah, anyways, back to... Uh, the stone with the chip. Did you find one? I did. I got the picture up on the TV. So the stone was originally found in Russia by a dude named Victor. Uh, they proceeded to carbon date the stone back 500 million years. And the sent it to a technological research facility university where they dated the chip to be 250 million years old. There is a theory out there that at the time it could be seaweed because it could have formed that pattern okay. and fossilized that way, but there's no confirmation on that, and multiple universities have studied this. So it is believed that it's an actual microchip and, and, and embedded into a stone. Uh, yes. It actually resembles uh, punch card chips from the 1980s. Time travelers from the 80s, too, it's, apparently. You know what that actually looks like to me, if I'm just looking at the top of my head, is uh, um, a credit card. I've got another. You know the little chip on your credit card? Doesn't that look just like that? No, nah, not quite. That looks more like a SIM card is what you're talking about, but that looks more like, like a basic microchip pattern. You know, you got your little legs, yeah, all okay. your connections Now inside. that I see it from that angle, though, it almost just looks like a natural formation in the stone. Yeah, if you look at it, you can almost see, like, overlaying layers of what almost look like fabric. Think of how, like, intertwined your fabric for your Either shape. way, it's carbon dated to be 250 million years old. So if it is a fabric, it's still, like... Yeah, but how do you... Not a microchip. You, you got to look here, too, though. Like, it's not, like... Like, it sort of connects to that. Oh, whatever. Just, just cut it out. Just cut it out. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we're talking time travel now. I, I actually want to touch this... on... What's up? Oh, nothing. Dude. No. Party foul. Alcohol abuse. <laughs> there's I'm about to go drink another there's a towel upstairs on my counter. It's a white towel. I'm going right. to use that. I'm going to press pause. Hey guys, now this is normally the part of an episode where you would hear an ad, but we're not going to ask you to go buy a product. Instead, we're going to ask that if you get some value out of this episode, if you laughed, if, you know, any part of it was worthwhile to you, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it on your social media, let people know about us. If you think it'll help, It'll probably help. Um, basically, they found, was it uranium? Yeah, it was uranium. Okay. So they found uranium, and it had already been partially depleted, which is something that doesn't happen naturally, at least not in this extent. Um, so they were kind of confused as to what was going on with it, and then they found that it was in a large amount, uh, and that there was uh, another mineral around, uh, basically... It leads to the theory that an ancient, ancient nuclear reactor could have been built for a very large amount of power. Now, my thought on this goes into the time travel theory, 
what if someone got stuck back there, needed enough power to get back home, and this was the only way to do it? Well, now we know how the dinosaurs went extinct. Uh, I was about to say, or, you know, like a radioactive meteorite smacked into the earth. Could be. I, I mean, yeah. it really could be. That's, I think, isn't most of our natural found uranium and shit from space anyways? Right. Yeah, but this, so, Ben, are you looking I'm, at I'm already on it. All right, bag. fact checker's on it. But <laughs> there was something about it, and I, I'm 90% sure it was the carbon dating of it. Let's. Or, Let's transition because I'm actually sort of fascinated with this as I'm reading it. So, because you wanted to gloss over it, I can do a bunch of side research while Jimmy bangs out some of his. Perfect, because I don't know what I'm talking about on this. I got so. you. God, our fact checker does a good job. I'm kind of liking it. Jimmy, what? Uh, you said you had a few we haven't touched base on. Do you want to hit us with like one or two while while I work on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you uh, fact check everything <laughs> you do, so I don't have. I I can take a break. So. Uh, <laughs> So I wanted to discuss definitely one I wanted near and dear to my heart because uh, I like to burn things. Um, fire, Greek fire, precisely Greek fire specifically. Um, it was used by the Byzantine Empire between the seventh and thirteenth century. Um, it was supposedly a device that shot fire that would explode on impact. And set everything else around it ablaze. So, like napalm. Yes. They invented napalm. Um, because they they did it was like sticky and tacky and like once it got on you, you're fucked. Napalm. Because it even set the sea on fire. Oh my god. It's fucking napalm. Um, <laughs> Greek fire is napalm. And it would also, like, release a noxious, like, smoke cloud and shit to obscure vision and everything. It was such a devastating weapon. Um, a lot of historians believe it's literally why the Byzantine Empire lasted as long as it did, is because it was such a fearsome thing to fight. Well, you gotta think about it. At the time, there was nothing like it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a fucking dragon, basically. It sounds like a dragon. (laughs) Uh, a, a lot of warfare was done, you know, especially in those areas, were done by sea warfare. Um, I mean, even on land, that would suck. But could you imagine rolling up, thinking that you were going to go conquer a place, and then all of a sudden the water is on fire? Napalm. <laughs> um, it, similar, but not quite. We same. haven't. We haven't found the. It's it's like Roman concrete. We haven't found the exact mix. Napalm won't burn on water, but water won't put out napalm. Yeah. Uh, it's water actually makes it burn hotter. However, if you try to ignite it onto water, so it won't work. My thought would be that they found some way to mix oil um, of some sort with some highly flammable type of oil or alcohol or something and oil floats on water right so some other combustible so they mixed oil yeah. with some other combustible you're saying and, and we know they used oil in the, everything so th- that to me is what i think that makes sense. the most plausible is some sort of oil mixture that we just don't know about anymore right i mean you got to think about it we i think we only have is it, it's either 1% or 3% of all the ancient writings. Like, that's wild, man. Uh, from the Roman and the Greek times. 
lost a lot in the uh, Library of Alexandria burning that down. Was, that was a big part of it, and then you know the Catholic Church was another big part of it, and hoarding the information. It, yeah. Not even just the they Catholic Church, but destroyed know, re- it. Yeah, religious warfare. Um, you know, when Rome became Christianized, a lot of it was destroyed. It was, it was a whole thing. Um, aliens. aliens. <laughs> so what else you got for us, Jim? Um, let's see. Uh, Come on, you ain't on top of this shit. Let's go. I'm, I'm still right. daydreaming about so, the Greek fire. So you it just sounds up. amazing. I, I'm just gonna go over this one quick one that I have. It's the Iron Pillar of Delhi. Um, do you that know that me. one? Yeah. Is that why you? That was that, that, me. Oh, that, that was you. I I'm know sorry. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to me, this isn't the most interesting thing, but it's a 1500 year old pillar. Uh, made of iron, and it doesn't rust. Uh, now, basically, they figured out a, w- a way to blue the metal before we really knew what bluing was. Um, but it's widely thought that this was kind of a, an accident that happened uh, because it's the only piece that we found like that. And if if you knew how to make iron that didn't rust, you'd be making more of it. Right. That's my thought on it. That's all I have. That's, Do you have that's anything com- else? No, that's like the common uh, accepted thing is, yeah, it was basically a freak accident. Yeah, and they glorified it because it didn't rust. So They had no idea how it happened, so yeah, exactly. Now they, it's a yeah. monument to... It was blessed, basically. Right. right. Uh, all right, go ahead, Jim. Um, true, uh, true Damascus steel was another one. Um, we do have modern Damascus, but we don't have anything that actually compares to Damascus steel as it was. Yeah. Even, um, a, yeah, even yeah. a lot of knife makers, I feel, uh, they get offended when, when we say that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's not an offensive thing. Uh, you know, it's a lost art yeah and the thing is is they said it took months to make damascus seal swords and we can pump it out in a couple of days now uh a couple hours if you're going at it yeah um well you watch forge and fire it looks even going at it and liquid might take a little bit more than a couple hours no i mean if you're just forging it's a couple hours yeah working it's different um so damascus steel of the ancient era that was you know, it was better than ours, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It was... So, when we actually started analyzing it and, and shit like that, we, we understood that, like, yes, it was folded metal and shit like that and different composites of metal. Um, but they just so happened to get a certain steel content and carbon content to the blade that it was like a high carbon. It was like a high carbon steel back in the day. Right. Um, but the way they forged it, it actually made carbon nanotubes within the steel. So reinforcing it and making it more flexible. So a carbon fiber blade. It, Not a carbon fiber. Not blade. carbon fiber, but... Yeah. It's superheated metal stacked on top of each other. With carbon nanotubes. So, kind of carbon fiber, but not... As pure as carbon right. fiber, you know right. what I'm saying? That's wild. Um, almost as durable and shit, though. It, so yes, like 
It was some really good steel for back in the day. Um, so now what kind of confuses me on that is we know that different cultures had it. So we know that, uh, the Viking culture, as it's called, had it. Uh, we know that, uh, the Japanese culture had it. And I'm pretty sure the Chinese had it too, because we found a Damascus, uh, a Damascus blade from somewhere in China, uh, that was basically pristine and untouched, even though it was considerably old. Uh, and it's called like the glory blade of China or something like that. No, there's been a lot of skepticism around um, how Damascus spread. I think a lot of it has to do with the Silk Road. You think back then, you know, you have different warrior cultures that are going and they find the Silk Road and instead of fighting and pillaging, they're just, they're expanding, they're trading, they're getting new ideas, bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, well, India had it too. It would have been like all the major Silk Road access points. Yeah, to, uh, yeah I mean, it was where it stops. West, the, West oh. Asia to the Middle East, and yeah, uh, farther east. But it, it definitely was in Viking culture because they had the Ulf Bear, uh, <clears throat> although it was a different type of Damascus blade. Uh, it wasn't the same folded Damascus, if I'm yeah. correct. It uh, was the the Ulf Bear was. Considered like the the prima the crop, if if I know, like you could not find anything better, and oftentimes it'd be etched and, and engraved to depict big battle thing, bad like battle scenes, and they were often given well, as the best of gifts. No, so th- we only actually have proof of one what we would call the oof barret, although there are many others that are considered oof barrets, uh, but the one, the one that has etched in it Ulfberth. Uh, we don't actually know where it came from. We do know where it was found, uh, which I believe was Norway. Can you check that for me, where the Ulfberth was found? Yes. Um, but it was it was made out of a different type of carbon steel. So instead of being like a traditional carbon steel, it would have been made with what they think would have been ashes of either a human or an animal. Um, Wooten steel, I think they called it. Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Damascus now, was called Wootz as well. So. Right. So Wootz steel, when you get into like the Middle East and stuff, is a folded type of Damascus, although the steel itself is a very similar composition. Now, there's a couple of claims that other swords could be Ulfberets, but some are thought to be uh, forgeries. Uh, some just aren't confirmed. But the one Ulfberet has been recreated. You're good. Uh, it has been recreated by a gentleman. I, I watched a documentary on it, and uh, it's not impossible. Uh, it's not even not even impossible that they would have done it with their technology at the time. It very basically could have been done by spreading, you know, like I said, ashes or animal bones uh, crushed up. You know, so you get the soul of something in your blade. Soul blade. Does it say where it was found? Well, it's, there's actually been multiple. So there are. Are, are you yeah. on Wikipedia? No, uh, this, there's other sources. I'm, I'm gonna, not Wikipediaing shit. I'm gonna punch you if you're on Wikipedia. No, because like I thought there was like people like recreating and selling a bunch, but there have been numerous finds. Okay, so of I, this type of sword. I was completely wrong. That's why we have a fact checker. <coughs> um. 
Now, where was the original? Second of all, I used Wikipedia to find their sources and then check those sources uh, for it. No, stay off of it. I hate Wikipedia. I would have found those sources through it through Google anyways. Now, uh, can you find the where it was found? Um, the Rhineland region, France. France. Okay, so it wasn't even. Why is it considered a Viking blade then? Oh, Vikings were over in that area. Yeah, Vikings were everywhere. But would it would it have been? A... Well, no, because it's uncommon that you would find a French sword in a Viking community, which is why it would be an incredible find. That's why I'm asking: Is it a French sword? Is it a Viking sword? I would bet it's a Viking sword that may have gotten left behind well, in a battle. So one of the things I'm looking gifted. at now, the term Ufberg was a name just generally given. So even I was a little bit mistaken. So um, they found different styles. They found different styles like of Viking-style swords. They, they found like the English broadsword style. So Ufbergs can actually be found. In, uh, so what is considered an Ufberg? I mean, is it just a sword made out of a certain type of steel? Because then, then I was sorely mistaken, because I didn't think England had any sort of... This right here says Ulfberg swords are an, an all-steel-made sword. Um, from the Viking area, they carry the inscription Ulfberg. Then it goes on like says a little bit more. So, so the term Ulfberg could have very well <laughs> come from um, the guy's name. Because in that kind of culture, like, you stamp your work. A lot of people's stampings of work would have been done in, like, etching and engraving. Okay. Someone now, you know, okay, doing so that and they're... I'm so glad you guys corrected me on that because I was completely I, wrong. And yeah, if, I thought if I was you, right. If you, like, pull up a picture and look at it, too, it doesn't just, like, spell out the name. Like, you can see how runes take place. And in very many cases, people would engrave certain runes. Yeah, but they're, it's not runes. They're English runes. They're like modern English runes. They're not. They're not Futhark of any form. Uh, that's why I don't understand. Why is this considered a Viking sword? So can I huh. chime in and? Yeah. yeah awesome. That's why you're so, fact well, yeah. So, two different sources I have. Not Wikipedia. You're the one that adjusted my mic. I felt comfortable earlier. Oh my god. So. Ufert is a name given to a unique Viking sword used throughout Scandinavia more than a thousand years ago. Um, the standard of their unique high-quality steel remains unparalleled until the Industrial Revolution. My second source is the Ufert sword is the most celebrated of all Viking blades. During the Viking Age, the sword was a symbol of wealth and status beyond being a formidable tool of war. Produced in, extensively in the period of 800 to 1,000, the Ufert was centuries ahead of its time. So Why? it was a French sword that if you were wealthy, you would have it. So it's not a specific sword. It is a... Okay, so explain to me why it's considered a Viking sword then. I guess that's what's it's, confusing it's, me. It's not a Viking sword. It is a Viking term used for a unique ah, weapon, which a French you. sword would be a unique weapon to Vikings. That makes more sense now. So uh -huh. it's, it's like using the term Viking. We use it wrong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so it you wouldn't be viking you would go viking so and you wouldn't have an the Ulfberg was a maker you yeah you would you would you had a unique ass sword yeah you could have an Ulfberg, but it was just a very good sword it was like a term for it 
That makes so, sense. That means that there's a Viking said, running around with a katana. Ben, Prove me wrong. <laughs> ben, do me no. a favor. Look up Wooten Steel. Got you. All right. Well, he's doing that. I wanna. I wanna touch on. Uh, I wanna touch on something. Um, a little bit different. Uh, where is it? Uh, okay. So this is a little bit more recent. You guys have you heard of Wilhelm Reich? It no. rings a bell. Did he make his own amusement park or something like that? Mm, Was I don't, that that guy? I don't know. He might have, but well, that's that's not what I have him down for. So he actually invented a machine called the Cloudbuster, uh, and it was a machine that was able to make it rain. Um, now, it was so real that the FDA actually destroyed his machine. We have records of it. Hmm. Yep. So Destroyed the guy know how knew how to make what make weather basically. Yeah. Yep. We we quote unquote destroyed his machine and then imprisoned him. Why am I not surprised to hear that? Yeah. Well, they say that it was because he could disrupt crops and it was a form of terrorism. Eco terrorism. Yeah. Which, technically, sure, but I don't know, man. That one, that one sketched me out a little bit, but it was, it's a lost technology. I was about to say, what time period was this? Lost uh, or confiscated and dubbed confidential. Well, that's that's probably more along the lines. Um, so let me uh, let me look up Wilhelm Reich. How about the hydrogen-powered engine? You want this? I got him pulled up. Yeah. Well, uh, when when did he? So die? what I got here is. And the nineteen. Oh, do you want the whole thing? You, no, you, you I, I just I just want to know when he uh, when he died. Uh, nineteen. Uh, nineteen fifty-seven. No, 19, yeah, nineteen fifty-four was when the FDA got involved. Okay, so he he actually wasn't long alive very long in prison. Uh, he he died fairly young. He, he was cleaned. only sixty. He got whacked. More than likely. Uh, I'm not going to say what I want to say there. Uh, we all know someone else that might have got whacked inside a prison. Off or shot? <laughs> shot. I mean, you might He had an island. Oh, we're not talking about that guy? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, the island guy. But, yeah, we're going we're gonna to leave it at that. I want to get canceled. Damn it! I didn't say it for that we reason. We literally just had like a three-minute thing of not I, saying it. I literally like was so pure. We I beat around the one. bush so hard, man. It's like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop in that bush I, real I quick. I tipper so hard. I, I am literally just gonna bleep that out and keep the rest. Of that shit. <laughs> for real. Thank you. That's hilarious. Oh, Love you, man. God. Fuck all yeah. y'all. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, did you find the other thing for me? Um, Still looking? Uh, what? Fine. No, he had me looking for Wooten. Yeah. The, yeah, I'm looking that up now. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, Jimmy, you wanted to talk about the Stradivari strings, but we kind of figured that out, right? Um. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, for those of you that don't know, the Stradivari strings are—it's the violins themselves. Yeah. yeah the, well, it's uh, okay. So when I say Stradivari strings, it's any instrument that Stradivari made um, oh. which were string okay. instruments Yes, because okay. I, I, I believe there's a couple cellos too and a couple other instruments uh, but they're known to be the most beautiful sounding string instruments in the world and for a long time we couldn't figure out why they sounded so differently uh, we reproduced them we 
broke them down and made them exactly how we found them. Uh, and it took us years to figure out that it was the type of wood that was growing in the forest, right, John? Yeah, it was a specific forest where he was getting the wood for these. Yeah, I think his family owned it. Um, either he owned it or his family did. Uh, but yeah, he was going out and getting these trees that grew in such a way that their the rings of the trees were so close together uh, that it was very compressed. And that's what made these instruments sound so amazing. At least that's what we think. Um, now, we can't reproduce that because we can't grow trees like that. No, it's uh, it's an um, extinct forest now. Yeah, That's the reason we can't reproduce it. I, I find that to be absolutely heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's the kind of shit that happens. I don't know. So I found... Uh, something from the Illinois University. Um, was there anything specific you wanted? Yeah, well, or just what it is? What, what exactly were you looking for with the wood steel? Like, like what? Like what is it? So wood steel is an ancient Indian uh, steel. Um, they've always had very good weapons and steel, uh, and ended up exporting it to Europe, China, and the Arab world, along with the Middle East. Um. There's a bunch. Like, there's so many references in this thing. Um, but it it originated in India, though. Yes, and was exported is, across. That's a surprise. See, that, And it that, has held up to Damascus steel. That, it's a high-carbon uh, steel okay. is what they broke it down to. That actually doesn't surprise me. India was ahead on a lot of shit, dude, yeah. um, especially when it came to sciences. Uh, they were the first ones that were... Uh, they weren't the first ones, but... Assassinations. Well, their medical community was so far advanced of anyone else of their time. Um, I mean, it, it's unreal. I, the, we we today still use medical advancements from ancient India, where at the same time that they were discovering wood steel. I mean, that's that's how far advanced their medical field was. It's wild. It just. I don't know. I India's always very much impressed me. Uh, you know, I give them a lot of credit. I still say if our one Indian listener gives us a shout out and tells us their address, I will send you a hat, bro. <laughs> Signed by um, all of us. Yeah, speaking of, man, uh, we have got listeners all over the globe now. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to everyone, but I'm going to have to look it up because I... We got so many, I kind of forgot. Uh, where is my analytics? So we, of course, got our one Indian listener. Uh, but Mexico makes up a, actually a pretty large percentage of our listenership. Uh, Canada, uh, United Kingdom, Germany, Russia, Namibia, Ecuador, Colombia, Vietnam, United Arab Emirates, France, Spain, and the, uh, the Czech Republic. Can I give a personal shout-out? Because I think I might know one Mexican listener. Yeah. Shout out to Chewy. Okay. Dude, if, if you're listening, um, yeah. Uh, Holy shit, that's kind of impressive. Yeah, let us uh, let us hear from you guys, man. We'd, we'd love to hear from you guys. Holy shit, we're actually going global? What? <laughs> I know. That's like literally all over the fucking place. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and a lot of them are return listeners, so we really, really appreciate that. Shout guys. out to you guys, for Listen, real, listening yeah. to us just babble about bullshit. It's... That's, you know, thank uh, you. 
feel free to shout out to us on the Facebook or an email or whatever way you guys find that you can reach out to us. Uh, we'll be happy to talk to you guys. Dude to dude podcast does Europe. Oh man, That'd Euro trip, Euro trip podcast style. Just try to go fund me. <laughs> fucking down. Speaking of global, do we want to go back to that African ancient nuclear reactor? Yeah, did you look? Oh, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been hammering it out. Oh yeah, do it up. Dude. So like, let me just make sure I got it. And can you do us a favor? What did? I, yeah, what? Can you pull it up on the big screen for us? Uh, sure. Let me. And when I say big screen, I yeah. mean thirty-two inch big screen. <laughs> Not very big, big screen. Yeah, bigger, so, bigger than the laptop screen. Screen. In 1972, a French nuclear uh, plant in Africa discovered 200 kilograms of uranium that was already refined. So they sent out research teams because they were afraid that somebody was going to be making dirty bombs or something. So they had to be accountable. So they reached out to multiple different countries, and their conclusion was. That it is an ancient nuclear reactor that is as old as 2 billion years old. It was located near the Gabon uranium mines and has been active for 1,500 years. What confuses scientists is when nuclear reactors happen, you need the most purest of water to, like, stimulate. And most reactors, when they aren't, like, washed over, like Chernobyl, like, the reaction is catastrophic. It is immediate. It is not slow and delayed over a long period of time. Um, this has led scientists to believe that it was an ancient nuclear reactor that, like, was used two billion years ago, and that that civilization was lost to all of time, and they fell apart. There's even samples back in 2018 from the same region uh, that was donated to a uh, research group in Vienna, and they discovered that was slightly radioactive, but the slowness of it was if you were five feet away, or five centimeters away from them, from that rock, you would roughly feel the same radiation you would from an eight-hour flight from Vienna to New York, just in a plane. Really? So that's how slow the nuclear-like fission on it is. Um, there's a lot of other hypotheses and theories, but most of the scientific community at the time and today, like, assume, like, it was an old and advanced slow-burning nuclear reactor. Wait, they think it's 2 billion years old? Yes, and it's been active for 150,000 years. 1,000 years, which if you go back to the chip in the rock, that was 250 million years old. Like, Hold on, so... 1,000 years old, whatever. Yeah, but 2 billion? Do you, that's, that's like the start of Earth. Not, not so much Earth as a rock, but like Earth as with living creatures on it back to matt's point those dinosaurs so you yeah, think but where was this found they they found the impact crater from the dinosaur extinction didn't they yeah or, or where they believed it to be yeah and i know it didn't seem like it was anywhere near where this was found impact crater i just i don't know for it to be two billion years old seems almost illogical uh, it, Just for the listeners, Billy went above and beyond because he didn't believe me and looked at his phone to confirm. No. And I, that's why Billy is truly shocked. I am because I, I was like, what, what the hell was on Earth 2 billion years ago? And it was. It was like 2.4 billion years ago. So 
let's say, <coughs> well, I guess if you really think about it, a half of a billion is a long time. Yeah, I mean, and, 30 and, minutes by myself is a long time, so. <laughs> and our blink of a lifespan, it sure is. Yeah, all right. Comparatively. So, okay, okay, maybe plausible. Okay, I take it back. Because we know we know humans were, for a fact, cave dwellers at some point. Deep cave dwellers at that. So maybe we did survive the, uh, the impact. Maybe we were here all along. And or a nuclear winter. And just bounced back mm-hmm. very slowly. The Ice Age. Well, could you? Jimmy? In all seriousness, could you? That imagine cycles of the Earth today. If we were to lose all of our electrical power, and not only that, but imagine if we lost all sorts of uh, engine power too. For that reason, well, most of them would because computer control. Yeah. Um, now you know all that would take. A big EMP blast or a solar flare. A big ass solar flare. Yeah. Which actually happens regularly. Yeah, but not large enough to actually impact us. Um, or come in our direction, so luckily. That we know of. Not right. uh, as of yet. I mean, but we only have records of like 10,000, well, a few thousand years, but like solar flare records not that long, and over two couple bil- decades. Two billion years. So let's say let's say electricity is cut out, and we, we, our food distribution is screwed, our housing, situ- dis- our housing situations are screwed, uh, a lot of people are going to die from disease, uh, a lot of people are going to die from um, malnutrition. A lot of people are going to die from bacteria and unhealthy living conditions. A lot of people are going to die really quick. Yep. And a lot of people will die really slow. Uh, it's Losing electricity is a very scary thought when you really break it down. Um, even a, a, a terrorist attack on our electrical grid, uh, that's terrifying. Well, have you guys ever seen like those documentaries or whatever, like if humans disappeared? Oh, how fast like, the Earth would take back over. Take back over, like, over two billion years, like, maybe yeah, the pyramids no are the only thing that lasts. Like, what if the pyramids were, like... They're that long? They're that long, or, like, and that's where civilization just restarted again, in that area. It's really crazy to think about just the possibilities. Unless they're wiped out by glaciers in a new ice age or some shit like that. Just Going decimated off. themselves back to the to the basics. Going Ground back into the and sands from which they came. What were you saying, Maddie? Going back off of uh, both you and Ben's uh, comments, you cave dwellers and him about the pyramids, makes a lot of sense. We find a lot of things in the surrounding areas by pyramids, but we don't find a lot inside. So if we were deep-dwelling cave people that survived all that, makes a lot of sense. We don't find anything in the pyramids because we already took everything out. Yeah, uh, so I say they did last two billion years. Um, you know, we as you say we made them as artificial mountains is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And we lived inside of them to survive the nuclear blast. Possible, I don't. Or we're already living. What if the inside them when it happened? Yeah, sealed inside. Uh, now my my thought on that is unlikely because of the. The amount of room that's actually available inside of the pyramid for usage. Not uh, very much. Yeah, comparative to its size. Um, now, not impossible. I just find it unlikely. Uh, but I do think the pyramids were used for something other than strictly religious purposes. Um, I don't know what, but it, they're made in 
in such a way that I mean if you if you look at all the YouTube videos you can see aliens. Well yeah. Um <laughs> you could see how they would be used as almost a natural energy point um or something. Uh, I I don't know. The pyramids are a portals for time travel. Could oh be so much. Or <coughs> big giant batteries. Well that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, they they were like storage containers and I think it had something to do with hydrogen or something like that. Um, can you look up for us, Ben, uh, the pyramids as, uh, uh, let's add, add engines? Type in pyramids okay. with engines. And I guess who, ancient aliens, while well, I'm at it with it? Well, yeah, it's, okay. it de- I definitely think I, I just caught this idea on ancient aliens. While we're throwing the idea out of, like, humans decimating themselves back to the, uh, to the Stone Age, I just want to give a shout out to Anthony Wilson, the creator of Planet of the Apes, who pretty much had that idea. Oh, Planet of the Apes was... Honestly, you bastards! If if you watch the new movies, it's it's a really cool concept. Um, we're, I don't think we're far off from making other species smarter. We shouldn't. Why not? I mean, we've um, started to understand how chimpanzees actually like. We've started to, de- to understand that they actually use their own type of language. You know, not only that, but they they understand the concept of money. And so there was this study done where they would give, uh, they would give money to, I believe it was chimpanzees. It was some sort of primate. Uh, they would give money to the primate. The primate would then figure out that if they took this money and gave it to the trainer or however they did it, that they would get grapes in place of it. So what monkeys would do is the male monkeys would start taking their 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 money when they got it and they would go give it to the female money and then have sex with the female monkeys and after <laughs> yeah and then they, they fucking <laughs> yeah and then they, they, so they would give their money to the females and then the females would have sex with them and then the females would go get the grapes if you want to see that they live you just got to go down to Lyle Lab oh my god that's funny <laughs> as hell um yeah it, it really is uh, steal this profession in the world for a reason. Yeah, that well, that's that's what they say. It's the oldest profession in the world. But I mean, when you see it happening in other species, it makes sense. So we, we well, wouldn't the oldest profession be whatever the dude that's giving the money, getting the money from? Because he had to work to get the money. Like it wasn't until that that the chick was like, you know what, I'm gonna put out. I guess you have a point, Ben. I guess you have a point, but what if they just started doing it for food and it wasn't actually money at first? Uh, so right. here's the thing: is barter system. Now I'm just thinking in my head, you know that game. I'm just gonna go down the aisle with McDonald's now. That, that <laughs> fuck a Mary kill game. That was them for life. Fuck for money, marry for money, kill for money. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, actually, uh, reading this uh, little tidbit from the New Yorker, you can actually almost by the pyramids as being energy generators when you look a little bit more into it. The um the magnetic fields that are generated from that much of granite being found in the blocks that were often encased in limestone is also a good form of insulating. And you'd use that insulating type for ener- energy conductive uh, flow. So gateways. You could harness, by having all of that there, you could harness 
power. Okay. To so power maybe a spaceship? No, no, no. Real simple. Gateways. Let's, no, no, no. Come on, guys. Stop with the crazy shit. No, no, like, no. Just let me... Go ahead. Back to the bag that had battery. What if it was just a light bulb? What if all this power, which to us doesn't seem like much... That's a area. big-ass light bulb. Right. But what if you had a light bulb on top of the pyramid and there was a light in the middle of the night always shining? The wouldn't, pyramid wouldn't would that draw people to you? the energy and Aliens. keep that lit. Aliens. Oh, my God. It, I'm, I'm, it would also give somebody godlike status because they'd be like... <coughs> Hey, there it's dark go. outside, but watch this. Right. All they have to do is, you know, <laughs> touch this thing or whatever. To, to me, that seems much more plausible that they were using it as some sort of um, giant beacon, beacon battery to to do something much more mundane than we're giving it off. But at the time, wouldn't have been mundane. Would have been magical. Like. Imagine seeing a light bulb when you've never seen a light bulb before in your life. Imagine that. You walk into a dark space. As dark as dark can get. You're in the middle of the pyramid. There is no light coming in. And then all of a sudden, you hear a voice. The god Osiris rises. And then the priest hits a button. And the whole room lights up. And there's hieroglyphs all around you. That's what I think it would be for. Just my own personal thought. It'd be a sense of them looking like they're harnessing magic. Exactly. Which we know for a fact that magicians in the past, or a lot of modern day magicians, learn stuff from uh, priests of sorts. Um, so uh, in Greece... There was, uh, there was a temple, and this temple had. Uh, can you look this up for me, Ben? Because I want to know who did it. I can't remember the name. Uh, it's a temple that had automatic doors in Greece, ancient Got it. Greek temple. Yeah, but anyways, uh, it was the first automatic door system, and it was done with a series of pulleys and levers and water and heat and really cool system. Uh, but basically, as long as these fires were lit, then the doors would automatically open. And once the fires were no longer lit, the, do the doors would automatically close. Now, if you didn't know how that was built, that would be magic to you at the time. So it was created in the first century AD. The famous mathematician Heron used a hydraulic system which relied on heavy water displacement in order to move the doors of an Greek important Greek temple in the city of Alexandria. There we are. That's fucking cool. A whole yeah. city lost. <clears throat> but, I mean, we, we have we have multiple things like this that show us that magicians used, especially when it came to religious ceremonies, this type of stuff. Uh, you know, sleight of hand, trick of the eye. Make you seem something more than you actually are. Mechanisms behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. I can actually remember... Uh, personally, I went to vacation Bible school as a kid, and I rem remember the priest doing magic tricks and uh, saying that it was, you know, the power of God. Uh, now, is that all he showed you, Billy? The power of God? <laughs> it, it was in a big group setting. <laughs> but yeah, no. So always was. And, and as a child, 
I mean, I was at that age where, like, I knew what magic was. I knew it was a magic trick, but my mind was moldable. Uh, so I could kind of understand where people are coming from. You know what I mean? You see this stuff as a child. You grow up with it. And there's people today that are very, very religious, and they believe things. So I, I just I see it as plausible that if ancient Egypt had electricity of any sort that they were using it in that form just a wild theory but like what if it was aliens hear me out hear me out okay it was aliens and they were powering something and i mean if humans are dicks who says aliens aren't dicks so they gave them like that power for a little bit and either humanity fucked up or they were really big dicks and they just left and took it all with them like like those cores that we see in egypt what if those were power lines and they were like, you know what, screw it, we're taking the power lines too. <laughs> we're out. I mean, plausible. Uh, it, and I'm not going to say plausible, I'm going to say possible. <laughs> Everything is possible. But if ancient aliens were to come here, uh, A, why did they leave? Because humans are dicks. Yeah, but if they had that kind of technology, like, we would not have been Psst. an issue. They were yeah. just just stranded and needed to get off base. Oh, so, okay. All right, now here's where mine go, my mind goes with that. Is, um, let's say aliens live much longer than we do. Uh, I think I've already discussed this before, but I, I'm talking like hundreds of years. Earth years. So they do. They come to Earth. They break down. They need to find a way to repower their ship. Uh, so they create, um, you know, let's say there's multiple races of aliens. One race creates the pyramids as an energy beacon. Another race creates the uh, the two billion year old uh, nuclear reactor that we were talking about. Um, Everything is possible, man. Hit us with it, John. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, this is where I want to believe in aliens. It's shit like this. But at the same time, I really want to give credit to the people who probably actually built this shit. Um, Shout out to the Jewish slaves. Egyptian Jewish slaves. Yeah, we, I think, have figured out that uh, it wasn't slaves that uh, built the pyramids. I think they were freemen. I, th I think we figured that out, uh, and they were paid in beer tokens, believe it or not. Some things don't change. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work for beer. Well, if that doesn't describe tradesmen. <laughs> so, hey, you got to remember at the time, beer was very, very different than what we drink today. It was uh, Most of it was very low alcohol content, but it was brewed, uh, and not in the way that we think of beer being brewed today. It would have been... Um, Instead of being brewed with heat, uh, you, you actually don't need heat to brew beer. Um, so it would have made water that was unpalatable, undrinkable. It would have made water now drinkable. Uh, beer was the way you lived. It wasn't... I mean, if, if we go and we drink water out of Lake Ontario, we're going to get very, very sick. Oh, God, yes. Getting some E. coli. We can't, as humans, drink most water. Humans are not meant to consume water. 
Not that we can't. Not that we're not meant to consume liquids. But I, I don't think as humans we have developed to drink water. I think beer has been along so far with humans and uh, for such a long period of time that, A, it probably would have started off as something that made you feel really good. Because we probably at one point could drink water. Bacterias were different. Our bodies were different. Well, as cave dwellers, it was pure water from underground. And then there's a lot of that. We would have had water that we knew was drinkable and water that we didn't. Fresh springs and running water. Right. Now, if you... I just... I'm currently now uh, in the middle of the immortality key. And uh, in the book, they talk about how we think of wheat being the first crop. Uh, It might not have been made for bread. Now, bread is very hard to make from wheat. You have to... You have to separate the seeds, you have to take the shells off the seeds, then you have to grind it, and then you have to uh, bake it at very high temperatures. With a lot of other ingredients. Yeah. Whereas, well, not so much other ingredients, um, but yes. Whereas Water and flour. When you look at it, to the flour, I mean, meat is considered the oldest alcoholic drink. Well, I, so this book is actually saying that, uh, that beer would have been older because think about it you take you don't have to you don't have to take the the seeds off you don't have to take the shells off you technically don't even have to take the seeds off of the the stalk itself you can just shove the whole thing in water rub it in your hands and the yeast on your hands is going to start the fermentation process yeah i've seen things too that have said that beer was the precursor to meat that's where other places got the ideas for losing their their local ingredients to try to create the beer. same thing right um, which makes sense is, you know, where you get wine and until distillation came along, you didn't really have liquor. Yeah. And nowadays we have microbreweries. Right. <laughs> and and that, that gets into a whole different thing. But so say that we have as humans, I mean, I'm passing by somebody's fire and they offer me this dry ass, crunchy ass piece of bread that has bits of stone in it that hurt my fucking teeth. Why am I going to hang out with these people when I can go pick some fruit and fucking, like, I'm good. I don't need that. But if I sit down at their fire and they give me this drink that makes me feel fucking wild, like, totally alters my perception to something that's never happened to me before, I might want to hang out with these people. So they think that wheat as the first crop wasn't actually bread. Bread came later, uh, but it was for beer. Billy, I need you to slow down. You're you're explaining to everybody why I hang out with certain people and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what's up? Do you just just in case anybody did see where was uh, the source for the beer one, and does anybody have a date on it? The beer. Because I have looked numerous sources and everything is telling me mead. It was developed in seven thousand BC, so. Um, I want to say Gobekli Tempe has uh, beer remnants. It's not our typical thought of mead, but rain ran off into, what was it? I'll find it. Oh, oh, so even if mead was technically first, it was probably in small amounts. Um, it is thought that beer is the first cropped and, you know, the actual 
reason that crops were being produced. So this here says um, the first barley beer was most likely born in the Middle East about 5,000 years ago. And you said the first mead was when, Ben? Uh, the first uh, dated mead is back uh, 7,000 B.C. Well, the pottery vessel it was found in was dated back seven or er, 7,000 B.C. Okay. So it is first... believed that it was produced when raindrops fell into a pot of honey and fermentation occurred. After that, China's Henan province started to drink it and make it themselves. Oh, it well, started I, as a... I have the first beer was brewed in ancient China around 7,000 B.C. Okay. So, so they got a it, taste for that it shit. Seems, <laughs> it seems like around 7,000 B.C. people started figuring out alcohol. Way so, to go. Yeah, well... My point is, is it's the altered state of perception. It's the, the, you know, the thought that, dude, if you sit down and you start drinking beer and you got this priest talking to you and he's doing all sorts of cool shit in the pyramids, like, I'm probably sticking around, dude. Just saying. This is this is why I think civilization grew. I we got way off topic, but. Um, and that is how you got suckered into human sacrifice, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Bro, then, do the trick again, man. Yo, give me another drink. Billy just gave me another reason to drink. Well, my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa was doing it. <laughs> uh, this is what we were supposed to drink. We don't need water. I did, Listen, I don't think humans need water. I think we need uh, altered states of water. Um, but talking about human sacrifice and ancient cultures i want to touch on the mayan culture and the aztec culture um now that civilization is wild but i don't think it was based on beer i think that civilization was based on ayahuasca a yeah i think i think ayahuasca played a big big role in uh the culture and civilization of both the maya and the aztec people um well, actually, anyone in that area at the time. But me and Jimmy were talking about this on how uh, when the first Spanish explorers came to uh, South America, uh, they described a culture that was huge. Uh, thousands and thousands of people. And 200 years later, or was it? Yeah, it was 200 years later. Uh, when more explorers came back, it was all wiped out. They couldn't find these cities that were talked about. Uh, a, because after 200 years, the dense, dense jungle just overgrew everything. Uh, but it would have been because the Spanish explorers probably got everyone sick. Um, when you introduce new germs into an ecosphere, which doesn't happen very often anymore because everyone just kind of... I mean, look at COVID. Yeah, everyone's got it. Yeah, um, given that's a highly contagious one, but I mean, imagine COVID taking place back when the first explorers got. Yeah, there, there, a lot going on with that, man. Um, you know, we just got to keep sacrificing bodies. Maybe they'll get rid of the cold. I, listen, that's probably how it went, dude. It'll definitely thin the herd. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up. Anyone got anything else? No, I'm good. Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> um, no 
just the tip this week, unless John learned anything new on vacation. No. <laughs> you can make your hand feel tricks. better by sitting on it. Ben, uh, since you're uh, you're new to us, do you got a sex tip for the group? Uh, when you're going down on your girl. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just the tip. When you're going down on your girl, do the alphabet. And Billy added the extra point, especially on the, the X. When you get to X, you really got to get in there and then, you know, just hum a little while you're doing it. I was about to say, didn't we do that one last week? Well, but Billy, X made last oh, week's yeah, episode. Last week, so last week got completely canceled. Got clipped. We got cancel cultured by ourselves. Um, yeah, so <laughs> personally, I don't believe in the alphabet. I don't think it works. It does when you use cursive. I, I mean, it's, it's all a personal preference. Um, you know, I, I'm i personally right here going to give a shout-out to the uh, Caller Daddy girls and talk about the uh, the Cooch Gobbler. Um, whoa, dude, the Cooch Gobbler. Y'all need to take a break from this episode, go check out their episode on the Cooch Gobbler, and get back to me. Um, yeah, anyone got a dude to do? I got to go do a dude. That does not surprise me. <laughs> it's a rough economy. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. All the jokes from last week were scrapped. Nobody would get it. Dude to dude. Make sure that you're keeping an open mind, man. Uh, who's to say aliens aren't real? Who's to say that people actually built the pyramids? Uh, who's to say that they didn't have electricity? Or time travel. Or time travel. Um... I mean, what's the worst case scenario if you keep an open mind? You're wrong. Have a good day, guys. Well, that's the end of our episode. Remember, if you guys found some enjoyment out of this, if you got some value, maybe laughed a little bit, go ahead and share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it on Facebook. It'll really help us out. And, you know, the more that you guys help us out, the more we can help you out. Remember... This is just a comedy podcast. Try not to get butt hurt.